Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm Nick Eber, along with my host, co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Uh, we've got a lot to get to today, of course, in the wake of a terrific weekend of Premier League action, culminating today in a 1-1 draw between Man United and Arsenal. Man United now sitting in 10th spot. We've got a lot of Premier League to talk about as well. I would like to talk about some goings-on in Major League Soccer, most notably the fact that apparently, it seems, uh, NYCFC will not be able to use their stadium during the MLS playoffs because the Yankees are playing in it on the on the baseball playoffs. And I'm going to ask this, Kartik Krishnaya, what a load of hypocritical rubbish from the soccer Don, Don Garber, who seems to make a point of talking about stadium suitability and availability at every breath he takes about new franchises. But when it comes to NYCFC and booking some of that Middle Eastern dosh, he's prepared to look the other way. I don't, I, and I think it's even more than the Middle Eastern dosh. Don Garber was obsessed with having a second team in New York. It is it was a personal mission of his uh, to the point where uh, he finessed it through the league. Uh, and five years in, now that team is going to make the playoffs for the fourth time, fourth successive season. They've done well on the field, but off the field, a complete mess. Uh, again, this will be, I think, the third successive year that they've had either a playoff match or a late season match moved out of Yankee stadium to either it was city field. One time it was Hartford. They played a game in Hartford uh, a, a year or two ago in the playoffs. Um, or maybe it wasn't in the playoffs, but it was toward the end of the season. It, this is too much, honestly. All right. Well, we've got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about it all. 800-878-7529. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, we're going to look back at some of our cracking predictions uh, for the weekend's matches gone by. We're going to see how we did, and you might be surprised. I'd like to say hello to Kerry, listening out there in Las Vegas land to the show. Uh, and, of course, if you're listening on the Sports Byline Net Broadcast Network or Sirius XM, or one of our digital platforms, iHeart, TuneIn, or the award-winning Sirius XM app, we welcome you to the show as well. All right, Nick and Kartik with you. We're going to step aside, take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more on Fist Street Soccer. is more than a place you go to buy a printer. It's where... Nice open. You're clear. It's between an inkjet, a laser jet, and a super tank printer in a way I could understand. Where I found... All right, a little whiskey in the jar for you. Welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. Uh, so, Kartik, I went there this weekend to see Peter Frampton. I've never been a massive Peter Frampton fan, to be fair, but uh, got opportunity to see him at Red Rock and uh, got to sit, I don't know, maybe 20 feet away from him. It was uh, a de- decent show for a 69-year-old. He can certainly still rock it out. Anyway, um, I don't know where I'm going Frampton with this comes one. alive again. Fra- Frampton comes alive again. Yes, yeah, almost like The Walking Dead uh, Series 12. Uh, season 12. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, 
the Premier League. Uh, should we start with the Premier yeah. League, or do you want to start with this MLS nonsense? Why don't we start with the Premier League, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's go to today's match. Uh, you know, it's funny. I um, was reading an article in one of the one of the papers. I forget which one it was, Telegraph maybe or something, talking about Liverpool's incredible run of seven unbeaten games and the fact they're on, I think, 15 unbeaten games or something since last season. And... Yep. And and how they you know they're gonna I think eighteen is the record I think that was set by Chelsea is that right or was it City was set by City uh, anyway set by City but yeah, yeah but they were talking about their next six matches they have and they talk about them facing Manchester United and they started talking about you know how Liverpool hasn't done all the all that well against top six sides and I started to think of my about to myself. Well, they're not talking about Man United there, are they? <laughs> and they're not talking about recently because uh, Liverpool has won 15 matches in a row. They lost one match last season. So I, I'm not quite sure uh, what they're talking about. They're talking about the early Klopp years. Maybe they're talking about under Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, but I don't know. But I, I, mean, I don't know what, what they're talking about. They've lost, they beat one, Arsenal. they've lost one Premier League match in 45. Yeah, so I, I, it's quite an odd... Uh, uh, I mean, I guess it's a it's a hill some people want to die on. Okay, I don't. That's, know. I just think that's quite an odd, uh, it, anyway, a, a, odd statement. Well, the comment really okay, wasn't they, even they, so they much. They probably performed worse against the top six in the rest of the league. So does everyone else. I know that's right. That's why they're the top six. Uh, but interestingly enough, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. it's that sort of journalistic stupidity, to be fair, and laziness uh, that we yeah. get. Uh, this sort of Messi, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Messi, every year, the status quo never changes. I mean, this person who wrote this article is probably still mired in the Fergie years. I mean, football yeah. changes. Things change. And that's why it's so exciting. Um, you know, lots of discussion about the Messi, Ronaldo era possibly, you know, coming to an end uh, of Messi, Ronaldo dominance. But, you know, to be fair, I think, you know, we saw last year the era of Messi, Ronaldo dom dominance came to an end as well, didn't we? Yeah, and we've seen some some reg uh, uh, some times when um, things have changed, uh, where you've had a third wheel in that conversation, and that third player has been very very good yeah. for a long period of time. Uh, and whether it was Laton at one point, Frank Frank Ribery, I think for a year or two, you might have had Wesley Schneider in the conversation. You certainly um, had Luis Suarez in the conversation. Um, the year at Liverpool, I mean, they, the, the, his final season at Liverpool, he had to be in that conversation. So uh, it, it, it is this sort of lazy journalism, though. I mean, I think there is an assumption, uh, like today's match, for instance, that somehow this was this was some sort of big match uh, between two two uh, entertaining uh, footballing sides because it was Manchester United versus Arsenal. Quite frankly, and I know we we, we slag on MLS a lot. We, we you know we we, we say. Uh, things about other other leagues, maybe other teams. Uh, that that match today, I, I think, thought it was very much an embarrassment for the league that those are two of your big well, teams. That, it's just a horrible match. Well, speaking um, so of if that, someone Kartik, is thinking Manchester United is going to possess a challenge for Liverpool. Well, maybe in 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 the sense that it is still a big derby, it is still a massive occasion. But as we saw last season, Liverpool rose to the occasion, and Jose Mourinho did not manage another game after that with Manchester United. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think psychologically it's a hurdle either for Liverpool. Well, you know, we're not the only ones that think this way, Kartik. Our listener, Ray Orozco in uh, Wisconsin, 
uh, has written, uh, Man, have the times changed? Arsenal and Man United used to be the standard bearer, not just of English football, but of European football. It just goes to show you what bad American ownership can do. These two great clubs <laughs> can do to the two great clubs. That game was pathetic and lifeless. They're so far off the pace of the top teams in Europe. Oh, that's actually an interesting point, isn't it? Uh, two American-owned teams are both on their way out. I don't mean out forever. I just mean, you know, in terms of uh, their dominance in the league. On the other hand, uh, he's a little unfair because Liverpool, who are flying high right now, they have American ownership. Yeah, but I think in general, most American owners have been pretty bad in in uh, in English football. Uh, I mean, I think about Randy Lerner at Aston Villa. Although, uh, quite frankly, right now, Wes Edens has done a pretty good job with them. Um, but uh, Fulham fans are constantly complaining to me about Shad Khan. We know uh, Josh Harris and the situation with, uh, with with Crystal Palace and then um, the Reading owners that were Americans. I know the Derby uh, fans have complained to me about their American owners that sell, sold to Mel Moore, uh, Mal Morris, who's, of course, a local from uh, from the Midlands. But they, generally, they've been poor. But Liverpool's ownership has been outstanding. I wouldn't even say they've been good. I'd say John Henry and FSG have been uh, and Werner have been outstanding. The thing, though, is, Nick, you have to suffer through Hicks and Gillette to get there. Yeah, yeah. The worst American owners of the bunch. As I like to call them, Penn and Teller. Uh, we certainly had to suffer through Penn and Teller <laughs> uh, to, get where we, to get where we are. But, you know, the thing is, I mean, uh, FSG took Liverpool from essentially bankruptcy to the fifth most valuable football club on the planet. And, and that is... Uh, saying an awful lot for the quality of yeah. their ownership. But look, I don't want to harp on Liverpool. I want to talk about a couple of the matches over the weekend. Uh, some of them I thought were, were actually pretty good. Uh, Chelsea did the did the uh, did the business against Brighton, which I thought was, uh, you know, was good. Uh, again, Christian Pulisic being told by Frank Lampard he's just not good enough because he's not. Uh, look. I, again, I don't know why I have to keep repeating myself on Twitter, on this program, on the World Soccer Talk program. He was not a regular starter at Dortmund, and he was at last season. His 18-19 uh, season at Dortmund was worse than his 17-18 season at Dortmund, which was actually worse than his 16-17 season when he was 18 years old at Dortmund. He has gotten progressively worse. It happens. Players hit walls. Young guys who are 18 aren't necessarily outstanding at 21. Jack Wilshire was in the Premier League team of the year at 19. By the time he was 22 or 23, he was a constantly injured flame out that was being pictured uh, at nightclubs smoking cigarettes. Um, it happens, okay? Hey, hey, I was hey, Jay Kartik, come on. Don't knock smoking cigarettes at nightclubs, all right? I mean, that's where all the <laughs> washed-up radio hosts go. You know, I find myself there all the time. <laughs> of course, but for a professional footballer at that age, it's not a good look. Grant Wall had an absurd tweet this weekend, which basically said there were two tweets that, uh, or two or three tweets from American journalists that were just way off base. I want to highlight Grant Wall's because he basically said um, uh, Pulisic was scoring goals in the in the Champions League three years ago. It's outrageous. Lampard won't start him now. That was three years ago. Like I said, guys hit walls. Guys forget crest. There's a guy on that Chelsea team that actually started that game, Ross Barkley, who has been in that position, who was a better player at 20 than he is at 25. It happens. You're not entitled to uh, to to, to uh, start in perpetuity because you were good at eight. You were outstanding at 18, and that you had a large transfer fee paid for you. Last season at Dortmund, he began making mistakes, giving the ball away in critical times, uh, being out of position defensively. He got dropped for large portions of the season. 
Uh, there were a n- number of games he came off the bench in like the 88th minute. And so th- that's what he's just picked. It's picked up well, at Chelsea the yeah, same yeah, but, way. But, but Why they paid second. so much for him, that you have to ask uh, the yeah. brass there. But Lampard has made this, has come to the same conclusion about Pulisic that Favre at he, Dortmund did. Uh, he's yeah, not he hasn't said the he, level player that all these American right. fanboys think he is. He just said he has to work harder. But, you know, the, the thing I would say to Grant Wall is what's the motivation for Lampard to play him right now? They have one loss yeah. on the season. They've had some really nice results. They've got a young team. They're gelling well. They're scoring goals. Uh, I'm not sure that Frank Lampard has too much to worry about. I mean, yeah, they're seventh in the table. They'll be really hard-pressed to make top four, but they might just do it. But, you know, they're they're not exactly struggling at this point in time. All right, it it is almost break time, so we're going to step aside here in uh, just a second and take a break. Yeah, 20 seconds, actually. Uh, When we come back, we'll pick up our discussion of the Premier League uh, and all the sort of side, crazy, silly discussions we have along with it because those are the fun ones. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, Nick and Kartik. We're talking Premier League and also some of the rumblings going on around Chelsea Football Club, who are doing surprisingly well, Kartik, for a club that was unable to make any signings, that lost their best player, who I might add right now is struggling a little bit. And by the way, just as a complete aside here, if I can just go on a complete tangent for a minute, Kartik, um, who breathed the uh, kiss of life into, uh, into Coutinho? Yeah, he looked really good. I mean, I I, I was listening to Keith Costigan's commentary, you know, a guy we know well, um, and of the Bayern match. And the thing that was so um, striking, and was him and Ian Joy, uh, was that uh, obviously he's seen Coutinho with, with Liverpool. It was a, re- a revival of the Liverpool Coutinho. He was make he played a brilliant ball to Lewandowski, which he didn't finish. Then three minutes later, plays a beautiful ball to Navri, which he does finish. And then Coutinho picking, dumping, you know, picking little uh, spots to take on defenders, dribbling past them, also playing these beautiful lofted balls and beautiful three balls the entire match. Uh, Paderborn got a couple goals. Kiri Shelton, the American, got a run out, which was nice to see. Uh, but it was a fun game, and I have to say... Look, I know Barcelona is supposed to be the greatest everything on the planet. But we're seeing time and again some guys go there and just not fit in. And then when they're put back in uh, ideal circumstances that show that we're, we're, they're able to showcase their talents, uh, it works for them. We saw it with Cesc Fabregas, even though he's a Catalan. Uh, he's a Catalonian. You know, going back to Barcelona after being so brilliant at Arsenal for a number of years, didn't work out, goes to Chelsea immediately, uh, wins the Premier League and, and has 18 assists in the season. Now we're seeing it with Coutinho. We've seen it with some other players too, but we'll just focus on these two. Uh, Coutinho, uh, washout, flame out at Barcelona, gets to Bayern, ideal circumstances, great club, uh, some great players around him, but a team that is going to let him play his game. And Barcelona, it's very regimented, right? You have to play through Messi. You have to play with Messi. You can't... Uh, Take too many touches on the ball. You can't. You don't really have that freedom of expression there. Uh, he has it again now at Bayern, and I think he's he's going to tear it up this season. I, I this is why I think Bayern is going to be um, one of the threats in the Champions League, along with Liverpool and Juventus. Those are my favorites. Oh, uh, Barcelona is not one of my favorites, by the way. Yeah, well, you know what? We talked about the Messi Ronaldo era, and I just want to loop back back to that a minute before we go back to the Premier League. Um, but 
you know, that's a great example. Coutinho, Barcelona, same player, same genius player that left Liverpool. What, doesn't suddenly go to Barcelona and become bad? Eden Hazard, yeah. so, you know, the linchpin, the single most important player on Chelsea's team, doesn't suddenly go to Real Madrid and become bad. I mean, he's, he, he you know, there's something overrated about these clubs and, and the amount of pressure that gets lumped on players to go play there. Um, you know, I think it's time for the Messi-Ronaldo era. Well, the Ronaldo era at Madrid has certainly ended already. Of course, he's at Juventus. But, um, you know, right. there's just something about that the hype of uh, uh, these clubs is no longer living up to the reality. Uh, yeah, I, I think the clubs, both of them have taken a fall recently. I don't think that they're the, um, obviously they pay the highest wages and give you the most exposure, but they're not the, um, they're not the guaranteed uh, you're going to shine clubs uh, in, in Europe. In fact, I mean, we saw uh, Arda Turan win the, win the premier, uh, win the La Liga with, with Atleti, uh, lead them to a champions league final, Moved to Barcelona because the grass was, of course, greener. They'd beaten Barcelona. They've finished higher than Barcelona in both those competitions. His career completely tailed off. Uh, he's now playing in China or Turkey or someplace. So I, this, this, I think there's this myth through the years that guys go back to those club, go to those clubs, and that's where they raise their game. And that yeah. was the case for many years. Um, Barcelona is not the same Barcelona without Xavi and Iniesta. I, it, it doesn't matter who they threw in there. They, they don't have the same. Uh, level player. And I think um, quite honestly, at this point, um, I'm looking at other places to play with a strong structure and a strong culture. I think right now Jurgen Klopp has done that at Liverpool. Uh, Manchester City, uh, Pep, if he, if he hangs around, that although right. City has, has gone through several managers and done fine. So that's a place. I think Bayern is always a, a stable club uh, with a set, uh, uh, set of principles. Good move by Coutinho to go there. Uh, Juventus is always a top club. I think Ronaldo made the right move I going there. I think guys like I Aaron Ramsey. Well, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do as well. Yeah. I actually think Juventus was a, a good move for him. And, you know, uh, it's so funny. I mean, you know, you, Ronaldo's really flown under the radar in many respects. I mean, partly because of Juventus's sort of disappointment in the Champions League. But, you know, what? He won the Nations League, right, Ronaldo? And... Um, he, yeah. he, did, he did win. Uh, he did win the Scudetto, if I'm not mistaken, with Juventus, uh, and a cup yeah. and a cup in Italy too. So he had a pretty good yeah, year. Yeah, and obviously, and the and the Nations League, they don't win without him. Okay, so yeah. I, I, again, I, I we can ha save this for another uh, uh, time. I actually happen to think that that Ronaldo. Uh, is the be best, greatest player of this era. Messi's the second greatest. Uh, I, I, yeah, one of the examples I will you, give you way. is that Nations League. The semifinal against Switzerland, Portugal had no business winning. They won it because Cristiano Ronaldo took, it on, took that entire Portugal team on his shoulders and single-handedly beat a, a good Swiss team. Obviously, yeah. a good team. They were in the semifinals. Switzerland outplayed Portugal. Ronaldo has been able to reinvent his game in ways uh, unimaginable. When this guy was just a pacey winger, uh, tearing up the Premier League and then tearing up La Liga, now he's this very utilitarian number nine that um, you know just has these moments. He just reads the game well. He he, he understands his, he doesn't have the pace anymore, uh, but he un he understands positioning. He understands so much about the sport that that people like yeah. you and I, mere, mere mortals, don't. Uh, I. I 
I think Ronaldo, uh, you you know, I thought that Van Dyke should win that award, uh, player of the year, but if it wasn't going to be Van Dyke, I would have said Ronaldo. I'm stunned Messi won it. Yeah, he had no business winning it. All right, I tell you what, Kartik, I want to move along because – Surprisingly enough, I mean, it always happens this way. We've got so much to get to and we run out of time. Uh, just a, a few <laughs> thoughts uh, on, on the Premier League. Um, Watford, uh, look, I, I told you Wolves uh, were going to beat Watford at home. Uh, yeah. I said 1-0. What was the score? Was it 1-0? I don't remember. Yeah, they, it was, I think I got it was 2 it or 3-0. They beat them badly. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they dominated them. Yeah, it was 2-0. The, yeah, yeah. They, they beat Watford 2-0, and that was a good, uh, good bet at plus 102. Um I mean, Watford are just so bloody awful in such short time. I just—it's hard for me to understand. Uh, the other—the other result is I want to talk about Leicester City's thumping of Newcastle. Now, yeah, Newcastle had a man sent off, but you know, Brendan Rodgers has this young side firing on all cylinders, believing in themselves, making it look like their title-winning run of a few years ago. You know, it wasn't such an anomaly after all. Uh, I really like this side. It's nice to see Jamie Vardy back. They have a very, very tough task, though, on Saturday when they're going to face Liverpool at Anfield. I don't think they'll win that match, uh, but they could well. I mean, it is entirely possible they could get a result against Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance. Uh, they, they, Well, I wouldn't say a very good chance, but I think there's, there's a real yeah, opportunity for them. Because to get the, Brendan Rodgers just knows really t- – t- has – it's just kind of one approach, and he likes to go at teams. I don't think you can go at Liverpool. Yeah. I think he just exposed himself at the back. Well, but- okay. So I would argue, um, Nick, that maybe that's the only way you can compete with Liverpool because if you sit back, you're going to get picked apart eventually, and they're going to get two or three goals. They're going to they're counter-press you high, which is what Klopp likes to do, the Gengen press, the German press, and, and they'll, they'll win two or three. No, I think you almost have to go at them to have a chance. Yeah, you might lose 6-1. But um, that's the best shot you have. So, and we know Rodgers is, is a very attack-minded manager. Unfortunately, Liverpool fans know that the hard way, right? Because perhaps if yep. he had been more pragmatic, you would have won a title uh, that season because of yep. the, both that Chelsea game and Palace game where, where uh, attack was the, was the word. But I think, uh, I think they'll give it a go, but they just won't have enough. They have a very young team. We have to remind everyone that. And and the, 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 those young teams sometimes hit walls, particularly against the best opposition. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, something, because when we come back after break, I want to talk Champions League football, and I want to talk about uh, this MLS situation, the hypocrisy, because I love to point out hypocrites. Uh, it makes me feel good uh, to point out those people who are mired in hypocrisy. Uh, but before we do, Pep Guardiola making like noises like he wants to leave Man City? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like uh, his wife has moved back to, to Barcelona, and that uh, he look. I think he, he, the the general consensus about uh, this season with uh, with him is um, with uh, Guardiola's City might win win everything again, and and actually win in Europe, or it could go spectacularly long wrong implode. Uh, he's a perfectionist. He could he could start getting on players, and then the next thing you know you've got a situation where he's walking out the door. And there's some concern that might happen, and maybe we're seeing the first signs that that will happen. Wow, so maybe a little trouble in paradise. Uh, you know, the big managers that have Possibly. seemed so uh, happy, uh, Pochettino, Guardiola, maybe there's trouble. We'll have to wait and watch and see what happens. Um, Palace get the win against Norwich. Norwich, another team, disappointing, I will say. Spurs eat by Southampton. Uh, Man City, you know, go to Goodison Park, and Everton looked looked dangerous for about two minutes. 
<laughs> that was over. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, we talked about Leicester's thumping of Newcastle United. Liverpool, quite frankly, lucky to get a point at Bramall. Lucky to get three points at Bramall Lane. Yeah, very, very uncharacteristic goalkeeping error, but boy, I love the Sheffield United team. They talk about a team that gives it a go and it's fun to watch Yeah, uh, and seems really well drilled by Chris Wilder. Uh, great effort for them. I think they'll take a lot of uh, a lot of confidence from that despite dropping uh, the match. I, I think that that's a great sign for them going forward. All right, when we come back after the break, we're going to get into the Champions League tomorrow. Some terrific matches to look forward to. PSG in action, Tottenham in action, Bayern Munich in action, City in action, Juventus in action. Uh, who else tomorrow is in action, Kartik? Uh, let's see. I know Liverpool, they're Wednesday, right? Uh, wow. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, good stuff. Uh, some nice, nice matches tomorrow. Let's talk about some of them when we come back here on Fistry Soccer. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back for Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. By the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. We enjoy bringing this show to you as we do each and every weeknight from 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on these very networks. Kartik, uh, Champions League tomorrow. Uh, some rather exciting matches, I would say, tomorrow, actually. Um I'm going to just pick a couple. Uh, we've got Real Madrid-Bruges. Uh, that is uh, a Group A matchup. Real Madrid, though, uh, you know, they got beat by PSG, so they need this because they're dead bottom of the table, of course. You know, one match day in. <laughs> Not a lot to get out of that. I fully expect them to beat Bruges, but you never know, right? Yeah, but they lost 3-0 to a PSG team that didn't have Cavani, Neymar, or uh, Mbappe. So that's pretty bad. They had some strange results last year. Was it in the group stage in yeah. Champions League when uh, they they lost it? They lost a, either a team from Belgium or maybe a, maybe it was Seska or somebody like that. And then obviously Ajax really took them uh, took them uh, apart in, in the round of sixteen. So uh, now you could argue that was without Zidane um, and uh, Zidane is back and he's won three Champions Leagues as a manager. However. Um, Real Madrid has not done much in La Liga to, to inspire confidence. They're just getting by in their games, and, and uh, I, I think this will be a tough match. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the other one, uh, well, we have Group C at the uh, San Siro. It's uh, Atalanta against Shakhtar Donetsk. I, I, I have to be honest with you. Uh, we had talked about Atalanta possibly uh, being an exciting team to watch. Uh, were they disappointed? They got beaten uh, fairly soundly by... I want to say by, uh, who did they lose to? Was it? Uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Oh, yeah, Zagreb, and they Dinamo, beat him 4-0. Yeah. Dinamo Zagreb. Um, however, I'm very much looking forward to uh, the Ali Samien in uh, Istanbul, where Galatasaray will host PSG. <clears throat> that is never a good place to play, okay? If there's any place you do not want to go to, it's the Ali Samien Stadium, and uh, PSG will be headed over there. Um, I'm looking forward to this match. For me, this is one of the matches, I think, of the match day, uh, other than the one at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which we're going to get to next. Uh, but, um, you know, we're going to see. I mean, look, PSG played some gorgeous football 
gorgeous football in their dismantling of Real Madrid in that first match. Let's see how they do in a very different environment in Istanbul. Yeah, I, I think that, keep in mind, Real Madrid's going to have to go there too. And uh, that is an incredibly hostile atmosphere. And keep in mind uh, the number of players Galatasaray have uh, with pedigree in this tournament uh, in, in the past. So they have a veteran uh, squad. They have a squad that's done in, incredibly well um, historically in, in these sorts of competitions. This could be a tough one uh, for, for PSG. And, and again, I know Real Madrid, with their poor recent record in Champions League, is going to go there uh, in a couple of match days. So look out. Well, who do you like for this one? You like a draw on this one? I like a draw. That sounds about right. I yeah. think I like a draw on this one, too. Got a task right, PSG. All right, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where we are going to find out what Tottenham are made of. If you, uh, if you remember, uh, in match day one, and I don't want to go on a limb because it was, what, two weeks ago, so I'm old and my memory fails me uh, that quickly. But didn't they bottle uh, Didn't they bottle a 2-0 advantage against, who was it, Olympiacos? Olympiacos, uh, Tottenham, yep. and uh, And come out with one point. So this, they're now facing a Bayern Munich team, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, just looks like they could be one of the absolute favorites of this competition. Uh, I can't wait for this match. This, for me, is the one to watch tomorrow at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where we will find out what I think we already know, that Tottenham are like the tin, was it the tin man or the straw man that didn't have a heart? Which one was it, Kartik? It was the Tin Man. Or was but, it the Lion? Uh, Spurs the... look more like a straw man now. In, in, no, was, in or was it the Lion that didn't have a heart? The Lion didn't, yeah. I, think it was I don't remember. My Wizard of Oz trivia We're going to watch old. Wizard of Oz again. Um, yeah, I, I think Bayern will, will get it at, at worst to draw, maybe win this match. Uh, Spurs, again, there's something wrong. They did uh, see through that, that match against... Uh, um, against uh, Southampton at the weekend, but Yoris, a horrible giveaway. Um, I, I just think uh, they, they um, and it might serve them well. Now, obviously, they went all the way to the Champions League final uh, last season. Uh, this is their fourth successive year in Champions League. It might serve them well if they're going to get back to the top four to be out of Champions League because they just, they, they, they seem such a mess. I'm not, and they have a lack of depth on that squad, as we know, Uh I, I'm not sure that both competitions they can handle. Now, actually, last season they didn't, right? They tanked in the league once they started surging in Champions League. Keep well, in mind, in last they, year they, they were so to, lucky to get out of the group. And they still right? haven't managed to get yeah, out of the tank. forget how badly they did in the group stage, yeah, know, right, but... when they were doing well in the league. And they got out, luckily, because Barcelona played a B team against them in the final match day, and they got a draw and they got out um, on goal difference, I believe, or, for, uh, or maybe by a point. Uh, so I don't think they can handle two competitions at once. Well, uh, you mentioned that they went in the tank once they started doing well in the Champions League. Unfortunately, they went in the tank. They haven't come out of it. Uh, Tottenham, right. uh, you know, an absolute disaster of a club right now. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to Red Star Belgrade. They're going to be facing Olympiacos. We talked about Olympiacos a little earlier. Um, I, I, you know, for me, I, I don't really watch Red Star Belgrade, nor do I really watch Olympiacos. So... I'm not going to I'm going to pass on any predictions about this particular match. Um I don't know. I would say probably on balance Olympiacos are a better side, uh but they yeah. are playing in Belgrade and that is also not a particularly pleasant place to play. <laughs> no, actually, I think they'll probably get a result Red Star just based on look, we even saw Liverpool drop points there last year or struggle, right? Did they get through yeah. that match? Did they drop points? 
Uh, I want to say they, they dropped points there. And PSG struggled. Um, it's just a miserable place to go. If you don't know about uh, uh, Serbian football, there are a number of interesting uh, books you can uh, you can read about it and the ultra culture around Red Star Belgrade. Um, so I would uh, highly recommend that if you're There's interested. There's a couple it of places place. where if you want to hear those monkey chants that everyone's saying how disgusting they are, you know, to go, try Ali Samien, mm, try, <laughs> try the Ratchko Mitic Stadium in Belgrade. You might hear a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, these yes. are the sort of awful, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions or, you know, tar people with a, a brush, but, but you know, it's some of these Eastern European venues are not all that friendly, let's just say, towards people of other and different ethnicities. Uh, and um, that's what we got to get out of football, Kartik, and get it out quickly. All right. Yeah. Uh, City Manchester Stadium, Man City hosting Dinamo Zagreb. You know, I think City will win this, but I think this actually might be quite an entertaining game. Well, Zagreb certainly uh, uh, left their mark on the first round. They won 4-0 against Atalanta. You mentioned that earlier. Yep. That's uh, a pretty stunning. I, I thought Atalanta, because they're, they're kind of naive defensively and they go for it, might struggle in that game and might lose 2-1. I, I did not expect the 4-0, where, where it was 3-0 pretty quickly, actually. So I um, I think this could be this could be trickier. Uh, Man City seems very feast or famine, right? This season, either games are very competitive, or they or, or they just they end it within ten minutes. Uh, so we 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 really don't know which team's going to come out. Is it the team that uh, had a flattering scoreline against Everton uh, in that three one, or is it going to be the team that beat Watford eight uh, nil? They they I mean, City went to Shakhtar and won three nil, which is something that. Uh, a uh, city has not done well when they've gone to Ukraine and Russia through the years in in Champions League. So that that was a little bit of a stunning result too. I, I, I so again, they're feast or famine. This could be five nil. It could be three two. I, I don't know. Yeah, City well, will win either way though. City are going to win either way, right? Uh, let's go to uh, Turin, where Juve will host Leverkusen. Um, Leverkusen probably the disappointment. I mean, they're not a very good team. Yeah. Uh, and so I fully expect Juve to do a number here on them. Uh, Leverkusen will go out of the group stages uh, of this of this tournament because, as I mentioned, they're just not very good. Uh, how, having said that, uh, Juve, you know, they are uh, they had that draw against uh, Atleti, and so they're going to they're definitely going to want the three points. They're going to want to start getting some goal differential. Atleti, though, have a very tough trip to Moscow where they're going to face Lokomotiv Moscow, and I, I suspect that's going to be a draw. I suspect that will be a draw in terms of. Leverkusen, another fun team under Peter Bosch. Uh, they snuck into the Champions League on the last day of the season last year in, uh, in in Germany. Chances are they won't be in the top four this year. I mean, really kind of hoping they're even in the top top six uh, or top eight. Uh, they, uh, they're they a fun team, but they're, they're going to get smashed in, in Turin. And then you, uh, the other match, uh, yeah, I think that will be a draw. That sounds about right. All right, there's our Champions League predictions. Uh, for you tomorrow, a bit lazy tonight, not giving you any odds or any particular picks, just uh, kind of thinking that's where we're going to go with these particular matches. Let's turn here to stateside, where uh, the uh, uh, the Athletic was reporting, by the way, not a bad website, I might add, uh, was reporting that um, uh, NYCFC are going to have to go to uh, the Mets baseball stadium to play for their playoff games and their postseason as we get to the close season, close out the season, because with the resodding of Yankee Stadium with the postseason in mind, uh, it is not available to them. Now, Kartik, 
how is it that you can have a franchise that how many years later? I mean, I can understand if you want to put a franchise in New York uh, to kill the Cosmos. Okay, fine. But then you do that. You put them in a baseball stadium. Okay, fine. But at some point, you have to say, hey, you got to put up your own stadium. You can't live here. The sight lines are terrible. It looks awful. And we have scheduling issues. But it seems like with Major League Soccer, they're just going to have one rules, one set of rules for one group of people and another set for another. Yeah, and particularly for New York, because this was a personal crusade. I will even use that term, crusade of Don Garver, to get a second team in New York. Uh, and uh, it's something that annoyed New York Red Bull fans to no end. So there were people within MLS and fans within MLS who felt very, um, very jilted by this. I, I, I think um, this is a problem that they've got to solve at some point. Uh, in the very near future, because this, as I mentioned at the outset of the show, this happened a few years ago. They had to go play a game in East Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, they've had to play a number of games at City Field now, uh, the Mets' home. I think they have to play a game somewhere else in, in um, Connecticut or New York. Maybe they went to Stamford, Connecticut or something. They, they, this is just – I've become numb to it. I've become immune to it, Nick, quite frankly, because it happens every year. And it's predictable. And they never say it's going to happen, and it does happen. No yeah. shock. So, unfortunately, um, I think uh, we're there again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know where they're going to build a stadium in, in what is it, the, within the boroughs in New York. I mean. I don't think it's realistic that they'll ever build a stadium in the, in the five boroughs. No, I don't think so either. I mean, you know, where? I mean, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't build a stadium in the five boroughs. The land is at a premium in, in, in New York City, and, and I know soccer fans are very selfish, and they feel like uh, any, uh, any last acre of public land that's uh, there for public good and park space, they should build a soccer stadium on. But I, I don't think New York residents feel that way. I don't think the elected officials in New York feel that way. They're not going to get a stadium in the city, nor should they. No. I, I don't I, I, I don't think that this era, uh, this nonsense about taxpayer-funded or public land, uh, for, for stadiums. M- MLS is addicted to this, right? Um, wanting handouts from governments constantly. This is another problem I have with Major League Soccer. It's not just all the others ideological within soccer stuff, closed league versus open league, single entity that we talk about constantly. MLS has become addicted to getting handouts from local governments uh, and really playing local governments against one another uh, to see who funds what. You're, you're more aware of this than anyone in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. um, uh, before they go commit to a city, they're they're just—it's uh, disgusting. Personally, I think it's ridiculous. All right, well, we have to go to break, but before we do, you know, I'm, I've got a suggestion. I, you know, every few years, a stadium comes up for sale in Harrison, New Jersey. You know, why don't they look there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, we got to step aside and take a break because show goes by so fast, doesn't it? Um, when we come back, we'll wrap it up here on Fifth Street Soccer. So stay with us. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, we've got to wrap the show up. Uh, Kartik, final thoughts. Uh, have it. Uh, Premier League, you can talk uh, Champions League or stadium situation. What's on your mind? Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Manchester United b- bounces back from today. Uh, another uh, real missed opportunity. Uh, this is a point gained for Ar- Arsenal. I know uh, uh, Arsenal complaining about how they they looked and they have not looked good all season yet they're sitting in the top four or top five right now so uh, i think things are okay for them um united boy 
Uh, they got a long way to go. They just do not have the players. Uh, I, Pogba uh, has never played with with guys this bad. I, I mean, he's making a contribution. You know, I uh, I watched that today and thought he. he and, and I've never been a huge Pogba fan, but I'm thinking I'm feeling sorry for the guy. He has yeah. he's having to drop really deep for service. He's having to push up into like an auxiliary attacking position. He's having to do everything because they just don't have very much besides him. Well, I tell you what. Uh, uh, over the week, next weekend is the acid test really for United. They go to St James's Park uh, to play Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, who. Uh, are uh, really sitting in the relegation zone. That's going to be a huge match. If they go and lose this match, uh, I know it's unfair, uh, but as the pressure is just going to be heaped on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, more than more than usual. Although it has been, the club has come out and said uh, that the fans need to stand by the manager. That uh, you know they're in a rebuilding stage and it's going to take a while, uh, and it's not going to uh, happen tomorrow um but what will happen tomorrow is more for street soccer 6 p.m pacific 9 eastern uh we'll be looking at more champions league and then of course we'll take you all the way through through friday when we will be uh, giving you more of our patented professional pundits prognostications of the premier league uh right kartik yep all right uh, i'm looking forward to that and uh, maybe i'll do better than you this week for a maybe all right folks enjoy the champions league we'll speak to you later have a great night. Stay safe. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.